Hello and welcome to the Neshama Project podcast, where we explore spiritual tools for human thriving. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. This week, I'd like to explore some more mystical Hasidic commentaries on the Torah portion of the week. This week is Parshat Va'era. And it's really picking up on where I left off last week, which was presenting a commentary from Rabbi Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, the Me'irat Enaim. And last week, we introduced the theme of how Egypt represents an exile of not just the Israelites in a historical period, but uh, a metaphorical exile of the mind. And the exodus is the dawning of spiritual awareness. And this awareness uh, needs to be extended into the realm of our actions and our moral qualities. I'd like to now just jump in to the commentary by Rabbi Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl on Exodus 6, 2-3, which says, God spoke to Moshe, saying, I am yud heh I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but my but by my name Yudhevave I did not become known to them. Rashi quotes on this verse Woe for those who are lost and no longer found among the living. The secret meaning of the Egyptian exile is that true awareness Da'at was in exile. People were unable to attain the awareness required to serve the blessed creator. That of which scripture says, know your father's God and serve him. 1 Chronicles 28.9 Awareness is the root that brings one to full love and fear. Know in faith that the whole earth is filled with God's glory. Isaiah 6.3 that there is no place devoid of God and that God is the true pleasure of all pleasures and the life of life. Once you do, you will come to realize that any pleasure were the flow of divine light and the life force to disappear from it, as with all created things, would return to primordial chaos, to the void. This is true of all the worlds, all the universes, both higher and lower. If one could imagine God's vitality departing from them, they would be as naught. God is thus the essence of all things. One who has faith in this will surely not lust after any this-worldly pleasures. If their essence is the blessed creator, it would be better to hold fast to that true pleasure. 
In this way, you do not bring about separation from your root, taking the pleasure only as it appears in physical form. Doing so would make you a separator, dividing the cosmic one from their Shekhinah. All things are called Shekhinah. That is the life force of our blessed God dwelling within all things. And just a footnote here. This is a statement of Hasidic theology in its most radical panentheistic form. All things are called Shekhinah. The unification of God and Shekhinah is therefore the full restoration of all things to their oneness in God. This view is attributed to the Baal Shem Tov. Shekhinah includes all the worlds. It should be considered one of the major innovations of Hasidic theology drawing on certain trends within Kabbalah, but diverging from most of prior Kabbalistic teaching. If you conduct yourself as most common folk do, you really become a separator, God forbid. One who has this awareness should look in all things at the inwardness that gives them life. This is God's blessed presence. Cleave to it, and you will come to both awe and love. Regarding love, the Mishnah teaches on the verse, You shall love Yudhevavhe your God with all your might, Deuteronomy 6.5, that the word me'od, might, indicates that you should love God with every quality that God measures out, moded, to you. You should thank them profusely for it. With every quality means the following. God is infinite, having no borders or limitations. But this world is limited. How could it possibly bear the flowing light of divine life that exists within all things? But God rules the world by divine qualities, midot. God measures, moded, and reduces the intensity of their presence in accord with what the world can bear. This is what measured qualities means. All this was brought about by God's unattainable wisdom. Sometimes God calls forth one quality, sometimes another, in accord with what divine wisdom dictates is needed at each particular time, conducting the world through God's vitalizing flow. The same is true of each person, of Yisrael. God reduces the intensity of divine presence at every, any given moment in accord with the person's mental powers. Sometimes the quality is that of chesed, love, sometimes of rachamim, compassion. At each particular time, that person is only capable of receiving God through that quality. As a person of awareness, you should accept God's presence as it is measured out to you in that moment, rejoicing to receive it. Serve God in complete love and awe. Be thankful that you are aware, for Da'at embraces all the qualities. Da'at meaning knowledge. For this reason, each person has to accept the four death penalties of the rabbinic court when reciting the prolonged Dalit of Echat in the Shema, 
truly unifying God's name. Of this, Scripture says, For your sake are we killed all the day. Psalm 44.23 This refers to those who accept the four death penalties to unify God's great name. God's name is surely thus unified, since yud heh represents mercy, and Elohim stands for judgment, and you are accepting God's divinity in both. This is the meaning of yud heh Eloheinu, yud heh is one. Whether God acts upon us as yud heh or as Elohim, it is all one. It is by God's grace that we come to accept God's divinity in that manner, the one we need to receive at that particular time. This is Yudhevavhe is Elohim, Deuteronomy 4.39. All this comes about through awareness. As that verse begins, know this day. When you serve God in this manner, judgment also turns into mercy because you accept it in joyous faith and thank God for it profusely. You hold on to judgment as though it were mercy, and it indeed becomes just that. This is the meaning of the righteous transform the aspect of judge justice into the aspect of mercy. But the wicked, even when our Creator acts mercifully towards them, do not accept God's divinity, since they lack awareness. They separate this mercy from the Creator and turn it into judgment. But the tzaddik, the enlightened one, can repair what the wicked have wrought as well, turning it back into mercy. Thus Ben Bagbag says, Turn Torah over, turn it over, turn it and turn it. By means of Torah, which is awareness, you can turn God's acting towards you with judgment into mercy. You can also transform the ill that the wicked have wrought, as we have said. Understand this. But everyone has to face trials. Even if you accept God, in your thought, you will still be tried ten times, as was Avraham. Our father Avraham went through ten trials and withstood them all. A trial means that your attachment to yud heh coming from your awareness is suspended from you for that time. All you have is choice. Otherwise, there would be no trial, since surely your attachment to God would cause you to stay on the righteous path. Therefore, your awareness has to be diminished, though it does not disappear entirely. If you withstand the trial, it is because the broad awareness you had previously has made an impression on your heart. When Israel were in Egypt, awareness was in exile. The shell which precedes the fruit served to cover it. Skipping forward a little bit. I appear to the patriarchs as El Shaddai, the one who She'amar, die enough to their world. This refers to constriction and judgment. I have behaved towards them with constriction and forces of judgment, trying them by reducing their broad awareness, removing their sense of connection in order that the trial be considered real. They withstood their trials by relying on the degree of awareness that remained with them even after that disconnection. The Divine Presence is there in concentrated form even in judgment. They maintain that faith. This is why it says, 
but by my name, Yudevavhe, I did not become known to them. I held back from them that expansive awareness which comes with attachment. God is called Da'at, as is known. Become known refers to awareness like that they had prior to the trial. Nevertheless, they accepted my divinity in whatever I measured to them. So we'll leave it at that for today. And in some ways, I think this commentary is very challenging because it's asking us to admit that God is in everything, even in the trials, even in the difficult times in our life, even in suffering, God is present. And it's asking us to maintain that awareness that God is present as pure awareness all of the time, even when we're not aware of God's presence, even when we have challenges and trials and tribulations and suffering and difficulty God is still present. God is still in that thing because there is nothing but God according to this teaching. So what do we do with evil? And I think that's the question that arises for me. This week, um, last week, a teacher of mine, Rabbi Emmanuel Goldsmith, uh, passed away. And he was a reconstructionist in philosophy. Uh, he learned from Rabbi Dr. Mordecai Kaplan uh, about reconstructionism and reconstructionist philosophy. And one of his major tenets uh, that he shared with Rabbi Kaplan, Rabbi Dr. Kaplan, uh, was that God is goodness. He used to say that uh, God and good are spelled exactly the same except for the extra O, and that and O is zero, which is nothing, so there's no difference between God and goodness. And he would say it over and over again in many different ways. But if you read the Kabbalistic material, and this is how I would argue with him and challenge him, such as the one I just read, it would seem to say that God is there even in the evil as well as the good. And this is where we come up against the challenge. Right? So if you say God is goodness and God has nothing to do with evil, that's an easier philosophy to defend uh, in some ways. Uh, it brings us up against both both. Uh, ways of looking at God brings us up against the idea of what is your theodicy? What is your way of uh, explaining the logical contradiction that God is all benevolent, all good, God is all powerful, and the innocent suffer, right? And so you have to deny one of those propositions in order for them all 
in order for the logic to make sense. Right? So you could say, well, God actually isn't all benevolent, uh, which is what I might contend. Right? That God is actually in everything, the good and the evil, and the morality of God is beyond good and evil, beyond human definitions of good and evil, because God is in everything. Right? Panentheistic view, as I read earlier. Right? God is in everything and surrounds everything, and there is nothing but God. Uh, but that, in a way, denies God agency. It denies God goodness uh, in the way that human beings know goodness. Right? And so it maintains that God could still be all-powerful and could be in everything and of everything and the innocent still suffer. The Kaplanian idea of God as all-goodness comes up against its own uh, its own challenges, <clears throat> right? Because if you say that God is all goodness, uh, then you either have to say uh, that God, at least if God is goodness in terms of human understanding of what goodness is, right? You either have to say that uh, God is not all powerful, right? Somehow God uh, is prevented from uh, helping human beings who are suffering, or God, you know, somehow whether that's from freedom of choice, right, giving human beings freedom of choice, or or doing symptom, right, contracting God's self so that God's not completely all powerful in the world. So this idea from my teacher. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Emmanuel Goldsmith and from Rabbi Dr. Mordecai Kaplan um, leads us to the denial of God's um, uh, omnipotence. Or we might say, in response to the Kaplanian view or the Hasidic view, that maybe we don't understand human suffering. Right? Maybe the hum that innocents aren't actually suffering. Right? Maybe that's part of what they're saying here is that when we think that we see human suffering, uh, we're actually seeing God's love in a way. Um, and that's a difficulty I'm not quite willing to swallow. Um, so we're faced with sort of a, a challenge here. Uh, but for me... Uh, I don't really have the need to see God as all benevolent. Um, I don't view God as a being who has the consciousness and the power to uh, stop suffering. Um, I feel like God is just... Uh, sort of like a force of nature, right? God is in everything and of everything. Um, and just like, for example, I might be conscious of my body uh, as uh, my consciousness is sort of the God of my body, right? And if my toe is hurting, I might not actually be able to heal my toe or fix my toe. Uh, or if uh, I have something going on with some part of my body. 
just the fact that I'm aware of it and I am the animating consciousness of this body doesn't give me the power to automatically heal it. So that's sort of the way I think about God sometimes. Um, but I invite you to think of your own ways of understanding God. Um, this Hasidic way sort of sees God as the ocean and human beings in a way as waves of that ocean, right? We're all from God and of God uh, and all beings, as a matter of fact, are arising out of God. So that is my commentary for this week. I hope that everybody has a wonderful week and can bring awareness to all of their suffering. Until next time, this has been the Neshama Project. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. Take care.